Sometimes studying the Bible can feel overwhelming and confusing. Grounded in Truth with Janet Dennison will help you learn to study, understand, and apply God's Word to your daily life. His Word is true. And guess what? It's for everyone. So thanks for joining us today as we dive into Scripture together. the Grounded in Truth Summer Series with me, Janet Dennison. We are continuing our eight-week series on personal prayer, which is volume one of a three-volume series titled Studies on Prayer. We will be releasing the other two volumes in the first half of 2023. This first series is devoted to our personal prayers. Why did God teach us to pray? The answer is simple. God taught us to pray because God is our Father, and He enjoys talking to His children. So what makes it so difficult to talk to our Father, and how can we develop a prayer life that draws us nearer to God? These lessons are designed to guide your personal prayers and help them become the conversations the Lord wants to have with you each day, so He can guide and prosper your journey of life. Let's dig into this week's lesson and explore what God wants to teach us about prayer. Welcome to the fourth lesson on prayer. And today I wanted us to talk about praying for God's wisdom and discernment. I can't think of a finer example in scripture of wisdom and discernment than King Solomon. And so today's lesson comes from 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Our era of history has been described in many articles as the information age. There are 8.5 billion Google searches every single day. There are 2 trillion every year. Facebook is the most searched Google entry. And the average person will search for information on Google at least three to four times a day. So in a world where information abounds, where it's as quickly known as we can enter it into a search engine line, in a world where information isn't really the problem, what is? There's a difference between gaining information and gaining wisdom. And there's a passage in scripture, this passage, that will teach us that. Proverbs chapter 4, verses 6 and 7 are one of my favorite passages on the subject of wisdom. The author of this proverb personifies wisdom as a female. And writing this verse, he speaks of wisdom as a her, saying, do not forsake her. In other words, do not forsake wisdom and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. I think in a world chock full of information that we can get in the moment, maybe our greater need is the need for what do we do with this information? How do we process this information into an answer? For that, we need wisdom. And scripture teaches us that God 
is the author of wisdom. Today's lesson comes from 1 Kings, but the books of 1 and 2 Kings are very much like 1 and 2 Chronicles. 1 and 2 Chronicles were written after the Hebrew people had come back to the Holy Land to preserve Jewish history. But 1 and 2 Kings were written while the Hebrew people were being held captive. They were exiled in the land of Babylon, and they wanted to make sure they preserved their history. And so they wrote a history of the monarchy and the prophets so that they would remember and learn from the lessons of the lives of their heroes and their preachers. And that's why we have First and Second Kings. King Solomon was David's son with Bathsheba. Solomon was probably in his early 20s when David was about to die. And so Solomon was going to become the king. So this passage we'll look at today describes Solomon as a child. But when he uses that phrase, he's probably describing who he perceives himself to be in the experience as a king. He's like a child in being a king, and so compared to his father. 1 Kings chapter 3 marks a significant moment in Solomon's life, and this was a moment in the beginning of his reign as king. King David had not been a perfect king, and towards the end of his life, he had significant challenges, most of which had been brought about by his own choices. King David had brought the nation of Israel to a place of peace and prosperity, strength. And David had wanted to build the temple to the Lord, but God gave that job to his son, Solomon, instead, telling David that there was too much blood on his hands. And so David took these verses we'll look at today as a moment to encourage his son from his deathbed by saying these words to him. He looked at his son, Solomon, and he said, Be strong and act like a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in obedience to him and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and regulations, as written in the law of Moses. Do this so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. I love those words of encouragement and blessing that David wanted to give to his son as he became king. It's what we all want to pass on to our children. We want them to be strong and to act like strong individuals, man or woman. We want them to walk with the Lord and observe his laws according to scripture not according to what some people might say about Scripture even. We want them to know the meat of God's Word and consume it in their lives. We want them to know God's Word as it is written, not always as people feel about it. So why do we teach our children to know God's word? Why did David want Solomon to know God's word and lead as king that way? Because if we walk in God's word, 
then he can prosper our lives. And he'll be with us wherever we go. I've often spoke to groups of parents, and I always try to find a way to tell them that the single greatest job of any parent is to raise their kids to live a life God is able to bless so that they can live a life where they walk in His Word and in His presence. That's the greatest success as a parent, is to raise a child who walks with God. Solomon, it says in Scripture, made an alliance with the Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he married his daughter. Solomon is going to do a lot of this. I don't understand it. I believe God permitted it, although he may not have really planned it. Solomon makes the alliance with Pharaoh in order to make a political alliance with them. He marries Pharaoh's daughter. It was a common practice in that day. And the idea was that if you married the daughter, you made a friend for life out of that person instead of an enemy. It says that Solomon brought her to the city of David, which is Jerusalem, until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. Solomon had amazing architectural plans for the city of Jerusalem. Then we get the point of what Solomon will be addressing. It says the people, however, were all still sacrificing at the high places because a temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. High places were places that had been in the past used for foreign idolatrous worship. And it really wasn't right for them to sacrifice to God on a place that had really been defiled by occult worship. And then it goes on to say, Solomon did the same thing. Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the instructions given him by his father David, except that he offered sacrifices and burned incense on the high places. Solomon himself walked with God according to his word, but had missed God's word at this point. It says the king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices. Gibeon was a place that had an altar at one of these high places, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. I have pondered on that verse once in a while. Imagine the God of the universe saying to you, just ask me for whatever you want me to give you. In some ways, God does that anyway. We just don't always want what he wants for us. Solomon answered, saying, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. 
I love Solomon's dedication to his father, but let's remember and be encouraged by the fact that while King David was found righteous by God, he was never found perfect. And it wouldn't take very long to remember that King David had some pretty great sin in his life. But he also had this amazing capacity to repent and come back to God. This is what Solomon says. Now, Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. But I am only a little child and I do not know how to carry out my duties. This is Solomon saying, now you have taken David's child and made him king. And I don't know how to do this job. Solomon calls himself God's servant. He says, your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great number, too numerous to counter number. King Solomon knows he has a big job in front of him, and he's not equipped to do it. And so God has said, ask me for whatever you want. And this is what Solomon asked God for. He said so, because I am king and I have a job that I don't know how to do. He said, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? King Solomon wants to be wise and discerning because he wants to be a great king like his father was. And so when he could have anything from God, that's what he wants. I pause here to say that might be our most important request of God ourselves. Scripture says, get wisdom, though it costs all you have, get understanding. We have no greater need in our life than God's wisdom and his ability to discern the hand of God, the work of God, the right and wrong of God in life. God's word says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Those were Jesus's words when he, he said, apart from me, to his disciples, you can do nothing. Do we realize how much we need to pray for the wisdom and the discernment that Jesus Christ can gift us with through his spirit, God's gift to us? I love verse 10. When Solomon had prayed for the gift of wisdom and discernment, verse 10 says, the Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. Don't you know God is pleased when we bow our heads and say, Lord, I just want to do your will. Will you give me the wisdom and the discernment to walk in your ways? So in verse 11, it says, God said to him, since you have asked for this, Solomon, since you have asked for wisdom and discernment, and not for a long life or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice. I will do what you have asked. It pleased God 
to do that. And in verse 12, he says, I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime, you will have no equal among kings. It's believed that Solomon is the author of and possibly even the creator of the whole genre of what we refer to in our Bibles as wisdom literature, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, the Song of Solomon. We don't know that for certain. We do know this. There will never be a time that Israel is as successful, as strong, as when they were under the leadership of King Solomon. He amassed what would be billions and billions and billions of dollars of wealth today. He was amazing in his ability to bring craftsmen and architects and organize. And the temple that he built was second to none. He was given the wise and discerning heart so that there was never another one like him. And God said to him, and if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands, as David your father did, I will give you a long life. And then scripture says Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream, but he also knew who the author of that dream was. And he believed the word God had given him. Neither David nor Solomon would be perfect, but they would understand that what they most wanted was the blessing and the guidance of God in their lives. After his dream, it says, he returned to Jerusalem and he stood before the ark of the Lord's covenant and sacrificed burnt offerings and fellowship offerings there. His first act was to give a feast for his whole court. But his first response to this dream and vision he had is to leave the high place and go once again to find the Ark of the Covenant and make a sacrifice there in line with obedience to God's word. When we pray for wisdom and discernment, we should be ready to respond with the wisdom and discernment that God gives us, obedient to whatever it is God's going to guide us to know and understand. The books of Ecclesiastes and Proverbs are known as wisdom literature and often associated with King Solomon. My favorite verse that I attribute to King Solomon is this. He wrote it at the end of his life. At the, book, at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon was a man who had amassed a fortune. He had accomplished innumerable amounts of enormous ability. He had built buildings and gardens, the wonders of the world. But at the end of his life, he said this. He said, now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13 says, Now that all has been heard, 
This is the conclusion. Fear God and keep his commandments, for that is the whole duty of man. Today, I would say that when we pray for wisdom and discernment, we should stand on that rock of understanding. We may ask for wisdom and discernment for many things, but at the end of our lives, those things we will most value and appreciate are those things that were found in God's wisdom that caused us to know God, to revere God, to fear God. And those wisdom and discernment matters that caused us to keep his commandments, to walk with him and to walk in his presence. Remember I taught early on, prayer is a continued daily moment-to-moment conversation with the creator of the universe. We are to pray without ceasing. This prayer for wisdom and discernment isn't a one-time event. It ought to be the prayer we wake up with every day. Lord, let me be aware of what causes me to know your presence and your voice in my life. And then, Lord God, may I have the wisdom to walk in it so that I can obey whatever your plan for my day is. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's the whole duty of our day. C.H. Spurgeon, a wonderful preacher, said, Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. You and I will both Google something today. We may gain information, but we don't know what to do with what we know until we've brought it to the throne, knowing God does. We gather our information, and then we lay it down and ask God to pick up our answer and give it to us. We don't know until we know. We don't know until God's made us wise. That's what it is to pray for discernment and wisdom. See you next time. We hope you will join us this fall for our brand new in-depth Bible study, Until the Whole World Hears. We will study verse by verse from the following passages of Scripture. Matthew 24 and 25, the books of Micah, James, 2 Timothy, and 1 John, and Revelation 1 and 22. These books and passages of Scripture are a collection of final moments in the Bible. The words from Christ and other Bible heroes are profoundly important because they are among their last words to people they loved. This study will remind you to use your life and influence to help others receive the gospel message of Christ. One day, Jesus will return and everyone will step into eternity. We hope these lessons will strengthen and inspire you to live your earthly life with God's eternal priorities. This free 20-week study releases online September 26th and includes recorded lectures, 
a downloadable workbook with commentary and questions for each lesson, and a leader's guide. It is an ideal study to do by yourself or in a small group or large setting. For more information on how to register for this study, go to foundationsbiblestudies.org. We hope to see you in the fall.